Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Acast recommends... Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Hello, welcome to episode 12 of the bloodandwood.com podcast, your sweary pipe gone, pipe bomb even, of rugby knowledge. I'm Lee Calvert from bloodandmud.com and... And I'm Josh Gardner of rugbyshitwatch.com. We are still here. Uh, we're going to look at the weekend and have a bit of review about it. We're going to stir-fry it all in a kind of giant rugby wok, then immediately throw it all in the bin as a bad job and phone a takeaway, because God knows we can't do a job properly. We've got France beating Ireland, we're going to talk about Wales beating Scotland, we're going to have a bit of a talk about how the police hate rugby fans now apparently, mm. uh, we're going to have a talk about England thumping Italy, a prediction we actually got correct, we'll talk about that later on, Jesus. the end of a wonderful section that we thought would run forever, uh, uh, the shit good ratings will be talked about as usual, a bit of domestic rugby news and then as usual we'll finish with another track for The Loop. Hello, Josh. Here we are again. Hello there. And another weekend done in rugby's greatest championship. The greatest championship <laughs> ever, which is definitely how it's presenting itself each week. It, it's actually I saying that. I don't think. Yeah, it's, that's what the, the, they're saying on the boards behind them when they're interviewing players post-match now. Have you noticed yeah. that? It's really Pe- quite embarrassing. Yeah, I'm uh, going to do that. When I get to be dead old, I'm just going to say, I'm the greatest <laughs> person ever. <laughs> Yeah, actually, that's really what they mean, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, longevity. It's, re- it's really not... old. Yeah. 
Okay, so yes, let's so. get straight into the games then, and let's start yeah. off with the with the first game of the weekend, which was France ten, Ireland nine. I'd um, like to throw my bit in about this to start with. I got I said on Twitter, and I'm going to say it again. This game made me feel like understand what it must be like to be one of those wildlife cameramen who sit in an icy black hole <laughs> for months, just hoping to t- see a snow leopard see, take yeah. a piss. <laughs> or how Tom Hanks felt in Castaway, where you're going slowly insane while nothing happens, a feeling that you can't escape. I'll, I'll be totally honest with you here. Um, I was out on Saturday afternoon and I missed all but the last 25 minutes of this game. And I recorded it and had every intention of watching the whole thing back because I'm a dutiful little podcaster. But um, <laughs> I saw what everyone else, including yourself, was saying on Twitter about the first half. And I just don't hate myself enough to put myself through that so I watched the highlights but uh, yeah well, it seems fucking when, dreadful when you speed watch things when it's on yeah. it's when you when you watch a game you've recorded you can realise how much time is wasted with nothing happening because you can yes. fast forward through like 15 minutes of each half at least can't you with that game it would have been a hell of a lot longer <laughs> I mean I've heard rumours and from judging by the highlights they were the island were relatively alright in the first half but once again, they showed that they've only really got 40 minutes of decent rugby in them, and then it all kind of falls apart a little bit. It's like they can defend and they can make life hard, but they can't control and dominate a game for the full 80, and that's now becoming a serious issue for them, I think. I think a lot of people were distracted by how bad France were for mm. quite a long time, and a lot of the comments on Twitter, myself included, were saying, oh, well, actually, you know, France is so bad. And then I suddenly, I suddenly realised at 15 minutes left, I said, you know, even though France have played like the bubonic plague, they can actually <laughs> win this. And actually, yeah. I realised why, because when you look at the roundup of the stats, which I get sent through on the, you know, the the tournament mailing list, mm. possession, France 58%, Ireland 42%, territory, France 58%, ball carries, 159 by France, 91 by Ireland, metres made, 390 France, 232 Ireland, defenders beaten, 17 France, 5 Ireland, Offloads ten France two Ireland. They're just ahead on every facet. So actually, on every on every. I mean, I'll question how valuable stats are sometimes, but actually, I do think that there's something to be said in that. Really, it just shows Mm. that Ireland were were worse and probably deserved to lose. Yeah, and I think Ireland have been a bit of a first half team for quite a few years now. If you actually think about it. And they quite regularly will do that thing where they let teams back into it in the second half. But the difference is that I think... Which they did last Ireland... week, of course, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and you can look and see that they've done it quite a lot over the last few years. But I think a few years ago, when they still had players like Bod and Tommy Bowe and Rob Carney at the sort of peak of their powers, is that they would have had a clinical edge when they were dominating the game mm. in the first half to the point where they could weather any comeback when it eventually came. But like... Now, when they fade and they let the opposition come back, their lead isn't like 15 or 20 points, it's 5 or 7. And that's eminently doable by pretty much anyone, no matter how shit you are. Yeah, and apart from Sexton, there's not much There's not much in that bat line, is there? Zebo gives really a bit not. of going forward, but then he's, he's an absolute liability going backwards, I think. Yeah. And, and you've got the likes of Trimble, who is honest and decent enough, but isn't going to frighten anybody, is he? No. And Henshaw's a big lump of a lad. We'll talk about him later on, but he's a big lump of a lad. Yeah. Payne looks all right, but there's no outside break there, is there? No, they, they, they don't have any like stardust in that back line anymore. Like Zebo, yes, he can can do some things and, and stretch defences a little bit, but you know, I still don't think he's particularly comfortable at fullback. He's he's, he's a winger playing fullback, it seems to me. And 
Yeah, they just there's something not right in that back line. And, f- and weirdly, the back line is the thing that doesn't actually have that many injuries in it. It's like the forward pack is an absolute fucking, you know, it's like the Crimea oh. down there. But <laughs> they've actually managed to relatively assert themselves okay, but the back line is relatively first choice and there's just nothing there. There's just nothing happening, is there? Yeah. Nothing at all. Interestingly, a lot of the, um, some of the feedback I've, I've, I saw on Twitter, you might have seen it yourself, and on the blog I've had since I wrote this, the shit good piece. Mm. A lot of Ireland fans are going the way of Wales fans. They're starting to actually question Joe Smith. You know, they're, they're, they're sort of saying, "Well, what is he doing? We don't understand." Well, we know what he's doing. We just don't understand it. I can see where they're coming from to an extent, but it's like, what has he got to work with? Like, unless he starts fast tracking players like Ringrose and McCloskey and all those through into the the first team, there's not exactly like a huge crop of exciting that I'm particularly aware of anyway exciting young Irish no. backline talent to really work with so yeah it's kind of his, his hands are tied a little bit and well I suppose just... well he has to make a decision sooner or later doesn't he because he can't keep playing like this no there's, and there's he, has something... won, he has won two championships I mean, let's not, let's yeah. not forget that <laughs> he has won, won you know it's back. easy to sort of say your shit are but actually he's, yeah. he has won two championships he knows what he's doing and he's obviously trying to make it work with the Resources that he has available to him. It's just a case of whether he needs to, you know, tear up that plan and try to make something that suits the players that he's got a bit more. I don't know. And I still have absolutely no idea what France are. No. Well, I, no. I can tell you what they are. They're shit. Well, the two from honest. two is what they but, are. Yeah. I'll tell you that much. But then yeah. beyond that, what is the. They've got a decent scrum, it seems, but only when. Their replacements <laughs> came on. Only when that first front row gets kicked off, fairly yeah. sharpish. <laughs> but they're just so fucking ponderous and blunt and dreadful. It's like credit for the way that they kept the ball and kept smashing the line until Henshaw fucked up and let the reanimated corpse of Maxime Medard score. But it was hardly champagne rugby, was it? I, d- I did not make my usual mistake with Medard because I did think to myself, <laughs> how old must he be? Because he's been around for, you know, where I he, he must be about 38. Yeah. And then I looked at it. 29. Is he really 29? 29 he, years old. I thought he must be in his 30s comfortably. I thought he must have been. But he must have yeah. made his debut. It's like Morgan Parra, isn't it? He's, yeah, that's true, actually. Parra. That's what they're missing. The greatest human being ever to walk the earth, Morgan Parra. Plays, <laughs> yes, basically. They, they do actually miss that sort of control at nine. And there's some crazy talk about them playing fly halves at, uh, at nine for the Wales game, which I'm really excited about. Um, so... Good. Just chuck Michelak in there at nine again. Well, yeah, what's let's the just, worst Let's go happen? fucking full on <laughs> turbo batshit. Why not? But, um, yeah, Ireland, I, th- I still think Ireland are a good outfit if they had all their players fit and firing, but they're properly down to brass tacks in the forwards. And, yeah, I'm, I I worry for what a confidence That's no excuse England for looking that do. shit, though. No. Wales, were down, Wales were down to brass tacks in the World Cup and managed to actually summon up a bit of spirit. Yeah. That's the saddest thing, I think. I'm not Irish, but if you were, I'd be gutted at the lack of spirit, really. Yeah, they they seem to be very subdued with it, doesn't they? And I, I'm very concerned about what's going to happen to that island team when they go to Twickenham, to be honest. I think that could get quite ugly. They need Paul O'Connell with his hurley stick. God, they do. Don't, even if he just st- he shouldn't st- stood on the sideline. Yeah, yeah he's, he's already you know in the commentary box. Just get him down into the dressing room and get him to shout at some people. So that was France Island then. Let's leave yes. that. It was. It was. I topical I imagine I've not seen it but I imagine this that game is what the revenant is like 
Is it, is, is the equivalent of being mauled by a bear and dragging yourself through a freezing cold wilderness <laughs> for 200 miles? That's what watching that game was, yeah, basically. Yeah, uh, who's Leonardo DiCaprio in that? Is it, is it Sexton? Presumably because Sexton got the shit beaten out of him. Um, yeah, Sean O'Brien, yeah. who knackered yes, himself early yeah. in the feature. And I'll <laughs> yeah, come on to that later on. Yeah, Sean O'Brien is his own bear in that regard. So, so, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. yeah. So um, there you go. Sean, we'll end on Sean O'Brien is his own bear. Yes. I love if people which, just scan forward on, <laughs> on the thing and just stop on that. Which, which can be taken out of context in a variety of unpleasant <laughs> in many ways. different ways. Um, yeah. Let's move on to Wales. Slet. Mm. Uh, God, that was well, close. Well, thank God for it? that game, really. Yeah, the uh, first one. it was nice after so many witheringly average games in this year's tournament to see one that was actually felt like it was settled by the team that was slightly better trying to win as opposed to one team just making slightly less dreadful mistakes than the other one. And they were both trying to win, I think. Yeah. In fairness to them, there was something happening there. There was, there was positive some... intent throughout. There were serious problems still with Wales's attacking <sighs> decisions, I think. Yeah, they were uh, far again. off their best. Um but they showed some class when it mattered and they had an ex- experience, quality and precision to actually pull out the win, I thought, which was and probably the difference a, between the two. Bigger than an obscene job of staying fit for Al- that game. Alive. Because <laughs> he, he was wincing when he was warming up. I know. I, I mean, anybody ever questions his toughness, I don't think they ever will again because it was very obvious that he was fucked. And... Every time, practically, he was running back to take a kickoff or whatever, he was wincing and he was ginger, and yet somehow he made it through, you know, 70-odd minutes. And uh, fair play to him for that. But, yeah, I mean, hats off to Scotland. They were significantly improved from last week, particularly as far as the attacking game went. And, and you've got a feel for them, even as a Wales fan, to be so close and not close it out once again, like... I've been that soldier as a Wales fan many times over the years and it's an absolute killer. I thought it was going to be 2010 in reverse when he started coming back in but then of course that's because I'd forgotten the key problem that it was Scotland <laughs> and when they actually came yeah. back to attack again that last pass of the game summed up their entire rugby existence it, when Sam Hidalgo uh, climbed through a pass right on somebody's boots and they they kind of dispiritedly and dejectedly <laughs> and almost kind of Consequentially, he couldn't avoid it. Just knocked it on, and they kind of looked at whoever Russell kind of looked. No, uh, Duncan Weir just looked at the ball, kind of. Uh. <laughs> Another one bites yeah, to dust. Peep, peep, I felt peep, like you yeah. could see, like at the end of the game, just like Cotter's face at the end said it all because. How like, can his face says it never says anything ever? Well, exactly, exactly. But it was just like there was a, a slight, even more furrowed than usual nature about it because. He's just so bored of this, and it's very obvious that he's got like he's desperately trying to find a way to change the culture because he's kind of done all of the hard work. Like Scotland are, yeah, a good team now, but they don't have the mentality of a team that can win close games against decent sides. And that, well, he's certainly that's got on playing almost a much harder job. They weren't his Scotland last week, were they? I think this no. is his Scotland. This was the World Cup Scotland. Yes, this, was this, is, this is what he wants them to do. Actually acquitting themselves with something approaching rugby respect, really. They actually looked like they knew what they were doing. I, know, I don't mean to yeah. like be massively patronising. I'm not being that. But they looked like a rugby team. They attacked with pace. Absolutely, yeah. But then just couldn't quite do it at the end. Going back to Bigger for no. a minute, Gaz P on, in the comments on the on the blog said, said that he plays like Asian bookies are holding his family hostage for a win. 
<laughs> Which I think was a perfect description of him, actually. He is one of the most committed yeah. people you could ever actually see, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, it was properly... The fact that he played his ridiculous end of story, I, I, the fact that he did it and kicked all his goals and was actually quite tidy, I don't know what sort of mental zen shit he's doing to put the fact that his ankle must have been absolutely killing him every single moment that he was out there for the full 70 yes. odd minutes he was on the field but fair play to him I will say that, say though that even as a Wales fan I could see that Gareth Davis's try should never have stood but not for any of the reasons <laughs> that the BBC's punditry panel thought that uh, it should have been because he wasn't offside from the knockdown at all because you can't be, and there was that was fine. But he was ten yards offside from the kick itself. Yeah, they've shown that, haven't they? Basically, yeah, he was yeah, ten feet, I, ten yards in front, and didn't bother trying to go backwards or stand still. He just started running. No, and I I don't know how the TMO missed it, but do you know what though? I don't really then, give a shit. This yeah, is kind of, and I, mean, kind I, of I don't care who won that game. Really, it's it's. I like that these things happen in the game. I hate the bitchy, squealy things that fans have become where they want every single thing yeah. analysed. This shit happens sometimes. We've all been on the back end of <coughs> yeah, it. Yeah, nobody's perfect. Exactly. That's the thing. Wales have been on the back end of those sort of things many times over the years, and and the, the, they had 70-odd minutes to get those points back. <laughs> and It was like in the, World you know, Cup, it, in the World Cup when Fiji scored down a blind side against single mm. uh, Nakarawa, was it? I mean, no, the... the yeah. No, it was the scrum half. Um, no, Matawala, yes, sorry. Yeah. What a, what, that was an unbelievable that try. Been. And then it was like just somebody came out yeah. and like pissed all over your cakes. Exactly. Basically, yeah. and, the... and it was like, oh, it'll be the try that never And he's was. already given it. Like, could you not... Yeah. Could you not just have fucking let it be given? Like, yeah. would it have killed you? I've yeah. said this before about a TMO. Them. Unless it's in the act of scoring before you've given it, it shouldn't yeah. be fucking allowed. If you've missed it two <laughs> feet back... What the yeah. fuck is your job? Tough shit. And yeah. what is your team's job? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Which game is it that Nigel Owens was involved in this weekend? Was he running the line in the in the France game? I think yes. he was because there was a yeah. point at which they were doing the TMO. <laughs> he came, and he I came on. That, and went, I just want to check. Are you happy with that replay that you've seen? Are you yeah. sure? All right, yeah. then I'll leave it there yeah. then. Which is obviously basically saying was... I'm not happy with what you've done, and actually yeah. I've not you've been on camera for about up. an hour, so I better come in and get involved. <laughs> yeah, you've clearly fucked up there. I'm just going to yeah. mention it, but you just carry we'll on. Say no mate. more about it, okay? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I did enjoy that. But um I mean Wales won the yeah, game, right? I, I, but how long is it going to be before people, particularly in the Welsh media and fans actually start because I've lots of fans that question Gatland. But when is it going to be that the decision makers start questioning him? <laughs> or is just winning these games like that enough? Are they not bothered? I think honestly, if he keeps winning Six Nations titles, then literally nobody I think we're not so far removed. We're starting to get to the point now where Wales fans are spoiled enough that Yeah. This this shit like they in a Roman Abramovich style they don't just demand winning they demand winning with style, but like for those of us who can remember what Wales were like in the nineties, and in the early part of the two thousands it's like Jesus Christ yeah okay we're not playing champagne rugby we're not playing the traditional Welsh way but it's a hell of a lot better to win games than it is to get dicked all the time, and get a nice pat on the head for being valiant losers. And yeah, there, there does need to be development in the team. And I think for all the talk of Wales playing a more open and expansive game, I thought it was pretty telling that they looked good when they reverted to type 
and they started smashing robots through the middle and sucking in men and then exploiting the space around it. And I think developing the attacking game will come, but they have to learn that they can't... Like, there's a, uh, Mike Phillips said something uh, this week, apparently, that like Wales players are afraid to take risks because they get absolutely torn apart for them in video analysis on Monday. Mm by the coaching team so like Mike Phillips reckons that that's sort of created a culture within the squad where nobody really wants to do anything risky because if they fuck up then they'll get absolutely I can believe that I think that's why the wingers never come off their wings much yeah and and I think that's that's really sad and that's a serious indictment and I think it it does feel like to an extent Wales are well Gatland is all about the structure isn't he it's not. Yeah, it's and, not and he's feel... all about the structure. He wouldn't. He, he wouldn't yeah. shy away from that definition of his no. of his coach. And I think Jamie Roberts is a classic example, really, of both what's good and bad about it. Because Roberts does. Mm. I when just before Roberts scored that try, he tried that massive diagonal, super powered angled run, but he got the ball <laughs> yeah. five meters out, so didn't get to the line. Then they went yeah. again, and then he got the ball one point five meters from the line, and, and so <laughs> therefore he scored. And that's a yeah. classic example of when you just keep doing that. But actually, if you'd not given it the ball to him in the perfect position, you wouldn't have scored. And I no, think Robert and, and, and I watched the scrum five thing at the weekend, and straight away, oh, Roberts was incredible. Oh, he's so world class. And yes, of course he is. But it says something that he's the best centre in Europe on such a limited game. Yeah, and he could obviously do more. Like it's very he did obvious. For the Lions, he said direct... this last week. He did it for the Lions. Of course, Lions, he did. Yeah. yeah. And it's very obvious that there's a directive with Wales about offloads because they just nobody offloads no, it's true. in the Welsh yeah. team at all. And you look at the way that other teams sort of like England, like the All Blacks, like Australia, the way that, you know, the offloading game creates confusion in defences. But Wales obviously Gatland has this playing the percentages thing going on in his head where he thinks that it's not worth offloading because of the chance of of turning the ball over or whatever, but yeah, I, I think, I think you're right that there will come a point, if Wales don't win the Six Nations and if they get a, a hammer in on tour in, and then lose in again the summer, in the autumn, and then lose again in the autumn, then I think people will start to say something has to change. And at some point, like as much as it's all Gatlin's game plan, you know, Rob Howley's got to start taking some semblance of responsibility for this because he's supposed to be the attacking Svengali and. Wales haven't really showed um, much in the way of he, attacking anything for a isn't. very long time. Yeah, and, and, and that's the thing though. You talked of like like on the Lions tour, like all the Irish players in two thousand and nine were saying that Rob Howley was like the best backs coach they'd ever worked with, and that has never ever been <laughs> evident in any way, shape, or form with Wales. And so I still think that Gatlin's yeah. level of control he demands means you can only work within the yeah. band with he allows you to work with him. True. So, and I suppose Rob Alley doesn't isn't going to say, "Well, stick it up your ass. I don't want the job. I'll, I'll no. work within the bandwidth you've given me." Basically, so yeah. So that was Wales and yeah. Scotland. Scotland, mm. we've talked about. I think you know what yeah. more could they have done? I think they were just beat by a better team. Yeah, I think, and I mean the try at the end, it gave the scoreline a sheen of respectability, but it came after Wales had kind of emptied the bench and were a bit discombobulated and. And in truth, in that sort of ten-minute period after they scored the the first try, Wales just kind of blew them away with with the power and the experience that they could bring off the bench that Scotland just didn't have. True. Ken always made a hell of a difference. He did, and and I thought Lydia made a big difference when he came on. And uh, Lydia and his chop tackle. 
I hate I yeah. hate the term chop tackle. <laughs> I absolutely hate it because you see, it's actually just a tackle. A tackle, yeah, a tackle around the it's legs. It's a tackle. Where it's... The textbook stuff yeah. you coach from when you're about five that you jump at the legs, yeah. you put a ring of steel on, and you drop them to the floor. When did that become something <laughs> other than a tackle? Yeah, it's because so many players go high and don't know how to do it anymore. But, yeah, um, I think. But yeah, it was really. But a good like, game. I, and speaking could, of Scotland, yeah. there was a magnificent uh, after last week, a wonderful, wonderful example of fuck it, I'll do it myself. Oh, there really was. From John Barkley, who one exploded <laughs> out of the line like a traction engine, such was his, his pace. <laughs> he was moving so slowly. He then looked left, looked right, looked left, and kicked the ball into touch. And, <laughs> it, was, it was so good because you could just see the whole gamut of emotions going across his beardy little face. It was just like, oh fuck, how have I ended up here? I'm in open what pasture. What should I do? And I don't yeah, know what this to is do. Not, this, uh, that is always one of my favourite things in rugby is when a forward, particularly a prop or a second row, finds themselves in space with the ball and there's just this fear because all of a sudden all of the things that they've been telling themselves about how if they had a bit you know if they were a bit quicker they could have been a winger etc etc <laughs> all of that comes into and, to full focus and, Hog, and they realise no no they couldn't Rob did the di- Hog did the diagonal run to his left didn't he and must have been yes. absolutely screaming for <laughs> it screaming. but the thing is, is, that, also... is that Barkley had already obviously started to wind up into his kick and couldn't stop yes. and even that was in slow motion no. <laughs> yeah. left 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 <laughs> no, was, I'm already was... kicking I can't stop now <laughs> I, I also loved in that, that I, I said obviously in the preview that you know Stuart Hogg might actually consider passing to someone mm. and I was I was keeping an eye out for that and I was delighted that Stuart Hogg attempted two passes and both of them went to Welsh players. <laughs> which, hey, baby steps. Yeah, he's growing. It. He's growing. Yeah, I mean, he's trying at least. Um, and and also one last thing. Welcome back, George North. Jesus fucking Christ, have we missed you? Yes. Um, God, yes. Even before his try, he was looking well, that, great. And then a lot of people had a pop at the defence about that try actually, and I'm not so sure that's very fair it's... because when people run that angled run and they're stepping. Yeah. You're never quite sure when to go in or come out. Jason Jason Robinson used to do it all the time. You know, he, and it's, it's just so you just don't, when they're that good and moving that quickly and stepping like that, yeah. you don't know when to it's, come it's, out and hit, do you? And it's very hard, and because of the it was you know it was a set play as well, and and it was designed to wrong yeah, weak shell. Yeah, Roberts running, yeah. yeah, and so they all geared. They were all focused on Roberts, and so North was attacking the weak shoulder of the drift and. It's very hard to stop a man that big and quick when he's moving with such a ridiculous level of lateral agility. Yes. And, yeah. Great so, actually, choice. more credit to him than I've got the defence. Uh, right, yes. so, that was the Wales. There was a game in Cardiff at the weekend, and we've, we've all been to games in Cardiff and know the yes. nightmares of transport and so on and so forth. Hmm. Uh, just a quick mention about this. A, a trans, uh, superintendent from the British Transport Police has come out and basically had a right go at rugby fans, which is a... One, a bit of a shock, because you don't mm. hear it very often. And two, then it's led to an absolute Twitter bonanza of football fans going, ah, see, see, we told you. Yeah, it's bollocks, though, isn't Well, the it? thing is, he wasn't I... actually reporting anything. When he came out and basically just said, yeah, well, what's going to happen is that this will happen and this will happen. So actually, there's no incidents for you to actually tell us about. No. You're just saying this is what is going to happen. 
Yeah, I see. Like, I don't think rugby fans are the problem here. I think society is the problem. It's like you go to any town in Cardiff. You know, you go to Cardiff. You go to any town in Britain on a Saturday night, and you'll see that as a nation we have a rather unhealthy relationship with booze, as is writ large in discarded takeaway boxes, pools of vomit, and trickles of piss running down shop doorways. But my mate went. That's Go on. But that said, I do think that there is a. I, I can. There was a very obvious like subtext to what you were saying, and I think there is a different kind of customer in Cardiff on a rugby day than you get on most weekends. Yeah. And the stereotype of the Ben Sherman loafer and bootcut jeans wearing group of middle aged blokes behaving pretty fucking poorly is not at all like incorrect. I don't think they're not violent or abusive though. They just it's dickheads. just event drunkenness, isn't it? My my yeah, my I mate mean, went to see Stone Roses when they did those gigs in in the park in Manchester after the, the mm. their big comeback gig, and he said it was quite obvious there were loads of people who were like geography teachers in their forties who've not been out for years who were literally exactly. throwing up down themselves and stuff because it was reliving because their nineteen they, year old selves, you know. Exactly, and they don't get many chances to have a night out because they've got kids, they've got wives, they've got jobs or whatever, <laughs> and they spent so much. You know, international <laughs> tickets are so they've expensive. Got themselves now. overstimulated basically, and yeah, so excited. They, they feel like they. They've got this is sense of entitlement that they can, you know, I've paid 100 quid for this or whatever so I can behave as much of a prick as I want, and I hate that. However, I do think it's notable that it's the transport police having a moan and not South Wales police in general, because you'd think if, if it was, yeah. these arseholes were being arseholes everywhere that, you know, the normal police would be... Making loads of arrests and having a nightmare. Yeah, exactly. But the fact of the matter is, if you've ever tried to get out of Cardiff by train on a rugby match day, you'll understand that what a ridiculous, frustrating and incompetent shambles it is every fucking time. And the Friday night game's and coming up again soon, when it's a double super shambles. Oh, fucking hell. But it's like, while being a dickhead to someone when you're drunk is never, ever acceptable, like, you can kind of understand why somebody who's a bit worse for wear might flip out after being kettled outside in the freezing cold for, like, an hour at the least, with no access to drinking water, no access to toilets, nowhere to even sit down, or while being given no clue if or when you're going to get home because they haven't bothered to lay on enough trains yet again, and the ones they do have are comically late. Like, I've been... I've done that I've, so many times. I I'm going to have to stop you there, Josh. I feel this could go on and on and on. <laughs> yes, it, it could. Go on and on. It doesn't excuse the behaviour. Just but in case you're not alive. sure, Josh doesn't quite agree with the British Transport Police's <laughs> view of rugby fans, or at least you know thinks they're being, being a bit harsh. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Okay, so that was that. So yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. But yeah, as I said, the, the football lot have gone mad because he's basically said footballers Ugh. are terrible, but they'll do as they're told once you, they get to a point. That's because the footballers are kept in line on... the busts to and from the stadium and then they're yeah. attacked with dogs if they do anything <laughs> and then wrong. They have ma- yeah, massive armies of police Mounted in stab police. vest in yeah. between them. <laughs> exactly. Anyway, okay, yeah. we'll leave that there. So, um, mm. well, maybe maybe you've got a view out there. Are the police fair enough? N- not football people. I know what your view is. I've seen it all over Twitter today. But rugby, rugby <laughs> people, what's your view? Right then, let's have a look at Italy versus England. Now, we said last week, and our curse didn't work too badly this week. We did say Ireland were going to win. No. So that one played out. Yes. We said Wales were going to win. At least I did. You were uncommitted. No, actually, you did commit to Wales winning last I week. Said, I said Wales, but not by a lot. And, and there you go. That was roughly, there you broadly go. accurate. I had yeah. a terrible week in the Fantasy League. We have a Fantasy League, by the way, <laughs> if anybody wants to join it. I would give you the code number, but I don't have it, because that's the level of professionalism that we work <laughs> at. But have, have a look on the website and find it. Um, so, Italy, we said England were going to win convincingly, because they always do. No matter how bad yeah. England are, they beat Italy convincingly. And actually, they were bad on Saturday, and they did beat me convincingly, 40 points to nine. Yeah. And and I mean Eddie promised us a hammering and a hammering he got, but bloody hell the scoreline after eighty minutes did not flatter everything that had happened before about fifty eight minutes. Yes. Um 
yeah. The only thing that was worse than England's first half performance, I think, probably was Andy Robinson's hideously contrived St. Valentine's Day massacre joke that he was crowbarring into the analysis at half time with the precision and subtlety of a toddler trying to park an 18 wheeler. But I thought Italy were very good in the first half, and I thought, to be honest with you, how badly they fell apart was actually quite sad. Like, it was. It was just sad. To... It was, um, it was sad. Yeah, because. And... Because they did play quite well, and I don't know what I said. I said when the game was on, I said, "Well, is Brunel actually just changed tack, or have they just stopped listening to him?" Yeah, because they're a completely different sort of, team to what they've been for the past twelve months. They they were they were looking. They absolutely like England started off as if they'd spent most of the week buying into their own hype a little bit. I think, um, but Italy absolutely took it to them, and with a bit more luck and a bit more precision they could have actually scored a few tries and put the pressure on but and physically like, physically Italy and the backs are looking quite good which they haven't done proudly yeah. I mean I know they fell apart a bit because it's the heads it's the heads that go not the physicality I suppose and yeah. that's the and that's the thing they, the, every time they seem to like contemplate turning a corner into competency they find a way to take a shit with their clothes on and like when Sato gifted that that interception yes to, to an entirely rudderless and blunt England at that point like you thought oh their heads will probably drop here but the level to which their heads dropped was pretty stunning to be honest and, it's, and Parise was I'd... playing so why he couldn't pull them together and you know if he is yeah. this great leader which he he should have been able to say look this we're in this it's just a try yeah, yeah yeah exactly but they just seem to completely come apart and I do think there's an element with him where he just tries to again fuck it I'll do it myself he tries to win it all yeah. himself rather than pulling them all together and galvanising them back into the performance. Look, we've been with them till till one second ago. That was a mistake. Let's yeah. fucking move on from it. But they don't. Mm. Obviously, they just gave up, and it was just like they they were fifteen tackling dummies overcome by a sense of Gallic ennui. And when Colin O'Shea comes in after the summer, he's obviously got some talent to work with there. But and yeah, how and is he? Gonna... Canister looked handy again. Shit off the tee. Yeah, completely shit off the tee. Yes. But, uh, but you know what's more important controlling the game or it's hard to say is it? I mean, you do need some people who can kick from the tee well I think you've got to, to stick with him and maybe a full back or a nine to kick goals <laughs> clearly McLean to kick a goal basically I don't know maybe can he kick yeah. but he, they tried a bit outside after him for a while that failed and all yeah yeah, that was Which is a terrible. shame he's a, he he's kick... a good footballer it's funny how that didn't quite work yeah. out but England hmm. uh, again a lot of people say how impressive it was I don't think it was I think it was fairly work a day and they... mundane and then the bench turned things around a bit really <laughs> Yeah, I think part of me, uh, Italy were knackered as well because they had to make, what, three changes in the first mm. half because of injuries. Yeah. And you could tell that that was a real killer by the time the last 10 minutes came around because there was half of the players on the field, they barely had enough energy to jog up to a line-out. So it's not really that surprising that England were able to go through the gears and make the scoreline look so lopsided in the end. But, you know, there were some positives to go with the negatives, but there was quite a lot of negatives not least the discipline yes 15, 15 penalties right, in total wasn't it 15 penalties and Eddie's like I know Eddie said oh it doesn't matter giving away penalties you know good teams give away penalties but that that seems like absolute bollocks to me to be yeah, honest yeah I don't know what he's talking about there no he's, I think he's saying that there are good penalties to give away which he's right to a point but you don't give away 15 of them yeah there's not 15 good penalties to give away <laughs> It's really no. not. It's like people who say I, I, I threw up last night. I was drinking because I had, I had a bad pint. They had no, you had a bad twelve pints. You know that's that's what the problem. <laughs> yeah, was. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, the lineup was a bit of a shambles this week too. Seventy percent, well, I think, the lineup was yeah. operated on. Which is, and given that Hartley was coming in to sort all of that out after Tom Young's nightmarish displays, yeah. that's uh, can't be good. 
his throwing was a mess, wasn't it? I mean, I don't know whether Borthwick just took the week off after last week because everyone was saying how well they all did, but it was it was a mess. And but I suppose you yeah. know the forwards were a mess four months ago, so it maybe will be a little bit up and down on the you know yeah, I guess way so. form to, to before they move forward. There were some positive bits that last twenty minutes. Absolutely, I think, you know. It's, replacements, as you say, they transformed things. They really did. They did. They got things moving a lot more quickly. Ben Young's is, is ponderous and inexplicable. Worst, he really was awful. And man of the match, Ben Young's. Well, yeah. What was that all about? <laughs> I don't know. I just think the attack. I said on Twitter at the time, the Italians had gone to pieces so much that their broadcaster couldn't even do the man. Of the I'd, match I'd stop watching. Fucking up. Yeah, yeah, they were probably looking through their fingers because they couldn't bear to watch it anymore. <laughs> but yeah, Ben Youngs wasn't even the best England scrum half on the field that day because Danny Danny Kerr came on and, and England got much much better instantly. Like it was the perfect game for him, and he did everything that you. And he looks better under Jones generally. I think Jones has put his arm yeah. around him a bit and not been that schoolmasterly judging thing. I think he, Jones yeah. has sort of said, "Look, I value you" because he is looking mm. better, and that kick for the try was good and. All of that kind of stuff. Really good, yeah. But again, you see, you see that that kick chip through for a try. You see, if you watch the Super League in rugby, you'll see that five times a game every week off like yeah. shit teams like Salford and stuff. And people go on, <laughs> people go on about it like it's oh look at the execution and the skill and stuff. It's like well yes it was nice, but this is meant to be the great as you said the greatest championship greatest in the history of the yeah. earth. Better than like Godzilla versus Mothra and everything. It was <laughs> so yeah. It's I do. I, I'm sorry to be cynical and whingy about it, but I, I just think that we, you know, you get when you're watching a game and you you chuff because somebody can execute. A- Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Grub a kick and fall on it, then we're all getting something it wrong, really. Of, yeah, it is a bit. I mean, it's apples and oranges to extent comparing League no, and Union, yeah, I know, yeah, but, yeah. but like, yeah, I do think that we have. Almost been coached by the hype machine of of everything of European rugby to say that like basic skill shit is amazing, and it's like well no like scrum off and you know outside backs should be able to yeah. execute a set play where you dink a grubber through and then the centre picks it that up was and an scores that's just... unbelievable and phenomenal kick no it really wasn't <laughs> it he was just dropped it on his toe grubber. and let it grub along the floor but it's uh, yeah yeah. Um, and you can understand why Southern Hemisphere teams watching it. Ali Williams was on Scrum Five on Sunday, and you can see he was kind of mystified with it all, trying to kind of come up with reasons why it was good. Yeah, but, um, you can well, see why Southern Hemisphere people who don't, who are not bought into the rivalries and the history and the nationality, yeah. and they just watch it and just go, "This isn't very good." And like I, you know, I don't wish to dumb, you know, I, I love this. So do I. It might sound like I don't, it. but I do, and I do. I really love it. I'm excited. Every game comes around, but absolutely. But the, I don't think we should be so, you know, 
astroturfy cheerleaders about the whole thing that we can't accept that certainly at the moment the Six Nations is of a very poor standard and yeah. the quality like the basic skill levels of all the teams are vastly below where they should be and we need to look at why that is the case and what we can do to make it not the case anymore Andy, Far- uh, Owen, F- Andy Farrell Owen Farrell's try for England was a lovely try yeah Fast three mm. fast phases, offloading out of tackles. The the forwards, uh, yeah. the replacements heavily really involved. Offload by George, lovely yeah. offload, lovely finish. And it's like, well, that's really what you should expect as 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 the minimum. Yeah, that's, I mean, some that's... games are bad. I understand that, but actually, when that's the exception, mm. we've got a problem with the product, really. Yeah, and uh, sorry to yeah, sound miserable. Be... I don't, I'm not miserable. Yeah, I should... love the game. I love it all, but it's just it's frustrating. <laughs> I think more than anything. Yeah, I think, and I think probably because ITV have obviously got it for the first time, and they're very excited about that. There is this, particularly from them, desire to eulogise every good thing that happens, as if it's the best thing that's ever happened ever. Yeah. And that's the widest problem of sports. Flat Flatman's know, good with that. Anyway. Flatman will say that he wasn't is. very good. Yeah. He is very good with that stuff. Yeah, but uh, yeah, uh, how many you know? world-class tries did we see this weekend no. I mean arguably Norths just for I, the sheer agility involved and I can live with world I could even live with it if there's an element of drama to it <laughs> you know mm. there's a, not so much quality but a massive amount of drama which I suppose there was a little bit this weekend but anyway yeah. there you go then England convincingly beat Italy nobody thought it would be any different nobody's any wiser about what it means other than the fact that I think no. England's bench looks good but I'll come on to that later on um, right yeah. then Moving away from the games for a while and from the international game, mm. it is um, with deep regret and sorrow that I feel that we must inform you all out there that only two weeks into us observing it, but 358 days into them observing it, hashtag Treviso shitwatch is no more. I'm devastated. I, I'm genuinely... Gen- it's, it's very interesting, actually, to see how people like... Approached Teresa Shitwatch <laughs> because I wanted this to go on. Oh, so did I. Ever and ever. Yeah. I wanted them to plumb new depths of shit because you know what? They are shit. And just because they managed to squeak over the line against a not quite as shit but badly depleted Blues team doesn't excuse the fact that they're a disgrace. However, there were people actively rooting for them to win. There were. Which I think shows a really interesting. Adam Reese, friend of the pod, um, and Cardiff fan, no less, was actively rooting against his own team because he wanted them to finally win a game. But I just, yeah, fuck them. I wanted them to carry on losing forever. But unfortunately, they did not. They had the audacity yes. to actually put something. Well, it was still shit. It just wasn't as shit as Cardiff were on the day no. uh, but obviously they've, that, it's an annual occurrence of them beating Cardiff but the last time yes, they won yeah. was at home versus Cardiff last <laughs> February Cardiff. I know, almost really a year odd, ago but... so we'll see how that goes well what we've decided to do because we don't want to leave this behind is that no. we are going to basically change it to simply hashtag shitwatch and whoever's just beaten Treviso yeah. is on it's now the shitwatch so it's now Cardiff shitwatch yes it's basically think of it like the Ramfury Shield in the uh, ITM Cup right like Basically, you if you beat, if you rather if you lose to the team that was last in the shit watch, currently, yeah. yes, who are currently holding the shit watch, then you become the new shit watch until such a time as you manage to beat someone, and then etc etc. And let's just see 
quite how far. I mean, honestly, it gives you an excuse to do another jingle, doesn't it? It does, doesn't it? Yes, so, I'm all up for that. Yes. But yeah, so it's now <laughs> hashtag Cardiff shitwatch. And we'll see how yes, Cardiff get on so, in the pod next week because the domestic indeed. games are... Well, they continue because of the World Cup, but we'll be paying more attention to them next week. Mm-hmm. So Cerezo shitwatch is over. Thank you all for getting so actively involved in it. it you never know what's <laughs> going to take off, do you? And that was no. one of the things that did. Right, so that's that. So... We've reached that point of the week again. Josh, let's see if this goes mm-hmm. better than last week. The Shit Good Ratings. The only rating system that matters. Yes, indeed, the Shit Good Ratings, the only rating system that matters. Um, I asked you all to get involved in this on Twitter as well, and we'll, we'll pick up some of that as we go through. I'm going to start with shit this week. I don't think that I've I've put on my you know hazmat suit and waded into the shit that is James Haskell yet <laughs> on this on this blog. You've been very, I've very mentioned very him in passing, but actually I feel like I have to go into it now. Let's have a look at what's happened this week. He did that Valentine's Day video skit on Twitter <laughs> where he said some shit to Sergio Paris, which literally I threw up all over my phone screen. <laughs> Today, obviously, because he's had some negative feedback and has been considered, he's posted this lion thing on Twitter. Have you seen that? I saw that. In I which saw he that, says, yeah. "Let me remind myself exactly so I get this <laughs> correct." What did he say? The wording is important. It is, here. yeah. Oh, I can't find it. What did he say? Oh, I don't believe this. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Sheep. He said, "Thought of the day, it's a doozy." Now, one, he's used the word doozy. That's a problem for a start. But he said, lions don't sleep, don't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. That's both a rhyming couplet and the most awfully trite bollocks you've ever heard in your entire life. <laughs> which one, he's trying to suggest terrible. he's a lion. Mm. Yes. Which you are which not, not sunshine. And the second thing is, of no. course, lions don't lose sleep over the. If you're going to, if you're going to use this, let's go with it. Of course, they don't lose sleep over the opinions of sheep. There are no sheep where they live. <laughs> if it said lions don't lose sleep over the opinions of zebras never... or wildebeest yes. or something, yes. fine, I'm with you. Yeah. But they don't lose sleep over sheep lions... because they don't know what they are, and you're a knobhead. No. The lions don't don't know that sheep. They they'd be quite alarmed if they saw a sheep. To be honest, they probably would be. Could they lose quite a lot of sleep? Probably, yeah. Just the sheep's mere they'd wonder why the clouds are walking round. But, uh, let's, uh, but let's uh, bring it back to actual rugby related matters that's enough for me mm. let's be honest in fact this whole existence is enough well, for me but let's, yeah. let's move it forward <laughs> let's look at his contribution of the weekend now one what I'm working out is is that he seems to be given the 10 channel to defend that's his job yeah. the 10 stroke 12 channel and he comes out of line to do that at the weekend he made 8 tackles he made 0 metres with the ball and he conceded 3 Great. penalties well, that's 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 a lioness. <laughs> <isn't it? Yes. laughs> pride, king of the pride, there. Yes, and yes. Actually, uh, he was dogs. He's dog shit. And though, people keep he? telling I mean, you know people people make these kind of apologist qualified excuses for him. Oh well, he did what he does. It's like well, yeah, but what he does is rubbish, and it's not acceptable after sixty odd caps to go. Oh, I'm not good at the breakdown. Because <laughs> he's, he's yeah. basically admitted that in an interview the other week. He basically said, oh, well, that's not the kind of player I am hanging off. I like to get involved. It's like, well, yeah, but while you're lying on the floor, who's actually doing anything? Mm. You're leaving it to Dan Cole to do. Yeah. yeah, and Dan Cole is many things, but he is not an open side And, and Maro so, Itoji did more yeah. at the breakdown when he came on. Oh, he did. Than, he was than, a monster. Than, than, and we'll come back to that in a minute. But, you know, have you seen yeah. that video by Radiohead, <laughs> the Just video? 
You do it mm. to yourself, you do that's what really hurts. When that yes. man just lies down <laughs> and people <laughs> say, What's the matter with you? That's what I feel like doing yes. every time Haskell kick it. I feel like lying down on the floor and not explaining myself and people will maybe understand because I'm just sick of it now. Well can it please yeah. all stop? Right, I'm done now. See, you can't cut me okay. off. I can cut you off. This is my show. I can run as long as I want. <laughs> it's our show, really. But you know what I mean. What have you got in the yes. shit, then? I've done mine. Um, one of them. This, this brings me no pleasure at all. But I, I can't ignore it any longer. Shit is just in Tipperary. Like... Uh... I don't. I bloody love Justin Tipperick as a player. I'm an Ospreys fan. I think he's utterly, mercurially, wonderfully talented. But the fact of the matter is, he was absolutely dreadful against Scotland. Like I didn't think he was very good against Ireland, but he made a lot of tackles. But yeah, his stats this week were quite horrendous. In 60 minutes, he made three tackles at open side flank. Yowza. To draw a comparison, Warburton got through twelve and Falatau got through thirteen. So yeah, yeah, it's all three that ta- buzzing three tackles around that he, he does, isn't it? Yeah, three tackles and he made uh, five meters on uh, four carries, and on three of those carries, he didn't get over the game line. So it was just—I mean, I—I—I I, I love him as a player, but it's very obvious now, and they've done it for four games on the bounce that he is not working in the number seven shirt for Wales and he needs to not be there anymore. He he lacks strength over the ball and Wales' system doesn't let him do the whole hanging around in the outside channels that he does to do something incredible that he can with the Ospreys. Um, people can, seem to think that like picking him is going to make them fluid and Wales more fluid in attack, but the fact of the matter is a number seven's job is not to make the team fluid in attack. No. The number seven's job is to get over the ball, win turnovers, and skew the contact. If anything, he's actually. I was reading a great piece on uh, on Green and Gold Rugby this week that was analysing Wales's attacking play against Ireland from a, a Southern Hemisphere point of view, yeah. and it made yeah, a really fantastic yeah, yeah. point that Wales are, are struggling to create space out wide because they're overcommitting to rucks in order to secure their own ball. And as I was reading that, it just struck me that, like, well, yeah, of course they're having to to commit. Yeah more bodies than they'd like to the ruck because they've got a seven who can't actually clear out much. secure a yeah. ball. Yeah, and clear out much and hasn't got the physicality to do it and Warburton's playing out of position. So I f- Wales are shortchanging themselves by having him and it's really sad but he's got I to feel that England may have shown the solution to this. Oh yeah. He needs to play centre, doesn't he? Centre for the international team. Flanker for his club. I genu- I've genuinely thought like that maybe he just needs to admit that he would be a better 13 than a 7 <laughs> at test level and just commit to it because he would be yeah. or or he should just go you know what there's Olympics in the summer I'm going to go and play some 7s because fuck me he'd be God, brilliant he'd be some 7s sevens boy wouldn't he <laughs> he would be outrageous why he doesn't I don't know but, I mean, so there yeah. you go I've had Haskell you've had Tipperick I'm going to move on to yes. another shit which was commentators in general one, because yeah. of their rank apologism for the Ireland-France game, generally, yes. where they kept um, trying to grope for excuses for the fact that it was just inexplicably abysmal and he should have just called it as that and there was no excuse for how bad it was. And then yeah. secondly, which is a thought particularly, Sean O'Brien injured himself changing direction. That's what he did. He changed direction We've all and, been there. and knacked his knee. He gave himself knee-knack yeah. through changing direction. And then basically, Tommy Bow was it? I think he was. He was the colour commentator, and all these were talking about. Oh, 
there's a hell of a lot of power going through that knee there as he changes direction. It's no surprises. So basically, he's basically what? injured himself because he's too powerful. That's that's it's what they were trying like... to sell to us. It's not like they stuck a traction engine on a fucking elastic band. It's like his <laughs> legs are not like incredible. Like his muscles are yeah. not like so powerful. Yeah, he isn't one of those valleys lads. Structural that... integrity of his he's body. Not one of those valleys Aberdare Tic Tac lads who doesn't do leg day. No, you know, yes, he actually is an athlete. <laughs> yes, to he's to got big. <laughs> That's and the it, silliest thing. And it I've got ever me heard. to thinking. I wonder what other problems he has in his life because of his overwhelming power. Like yes, know, accidentally just... punching through doors. Yeah, he just he goes to like open the the pint of milk and the, in the for cereal in the morning. And he just yes. it just crushing teacups. He's just so crushing teacups. So goddamn his, strong, incredibly powerful yeah. man breaking <laughs> toilets. <Just> like... <laughs> because he's just too damn powerful to operate crush, within the laws he, of normal physics. No, he can't watch television because all of his remotes are just smashed and destroyed. <laughs> it's awful. So pray yeah. for Sean O'Brien and the unintended <laughs> consequences of his unbelievable and unfathomable power. That's so silly. Right, next one. Oh, Who have you got? Um, yes, uh, my next one, uh, Maxime made our sideburns. Look, <laughs> Maxime, it's been a long time since you played Test Rugby. I get that. But you're not in a witheringly middle-of-the-road Britpop band in 1997. Yes. And just because Gaz Coombs can still get away with it doesn't mean that you can. Until you've written an album as good as I should, Coco, the mutton chops have got to go. Yes. Although he did, he does get some points for actually providing something approximating rugby during that base, that shit <laughs> fest we had to Well, watch. yes. Yes. But I'd still rather he had a shave. Yeah. Anything um, else for shit for you? Um, one thing that sort of... I was... Irish Irish fans can happily at Josh Gardner, please correct me if I've got some of this wrong, but the situation with Robbie Henshaw's contract yeah. with the IRFU absolutely fucking stinks because it was confirmed yesterday that, that um, he's going to be leaving Connacht at the end of the season and he's going to be moving to another Irish province probably Leinster so that he can keep Gary Ringrose company um, and that's fair enough. He can move to wherever he wants. And he obviously thinks that playing for a more high-profile province would help his career. But the thing that pisses me off is that it's not like he's... Like, the RFU are encouraging him and facilitating his move to Leinster because he's on a central contract. And not because there's a glut of centres at Connacht that's stopping him getting game time or anything like that. They're, all they're doing is, is basically... Leinster need a tidy centre, so they've just decided they can pluck... Connacht's best homegrown player in a generation away from them with zero compensation because the Dublin side are the more traditionally successful and favoured and prestigious province. And that stinks. This has been the most obvious heist coming. So it's like the anti Ocean's Eleven. No, you never quite know what's happening (laughs) in Ocean's Eleven. Well, this is the opposite of that. That basically it's an hour and a half of suddenly just just three thieves sat in a room going, We're going to take Robbie Henshaw. Probably. That's it. Worst film ever. And, well, that, and that's and I feel and, sorry and the, for Connacht because well they've been told well they know exactly what their place is now, don't they? Yeah, and that's bullshit because they're hot, they're above Leinster in the table this season and they might well win the league. They've been comfortably the best Irish province. I can imagine all of the West the Island seasoned. West of Ireland people sounding exactly like North Wales people do about Cardiff. <laughs> yes. You know, I live among North Wales people and I can imagine it that they'll be saying once again it's the Dublin bastards coming and Absolutely. not giving a shit about and, but, us. And they'd be right. 
they are absolutely spot on. Like it's it's a system that's engineered by the IRFU to stop Connacht being good for any period of time because all their players are getting put on central contracts and then redistributed to the trendier and more yeah. successfully like followed teams. And that's that, that's bollocks. So man. you can get twisted on Twitter at Blood and Mud or at Josh Garner and tell us that we're all yeah. Tell me if wrong I'm wrong. We're out of order, but actually that's what we think, <laughs> and that's that. Let's move on to good. I've already mentioned it, but I'm going to cover it quickly. The England bench. There are two yes. schools of thought on this, that everyone gets softened up and the bench can come on and do what they like. Or there's the other school of thought, mm. which is the bench is just better and they made things better because they came on. I'm with the latter. I think it's a little bit of both. I think particularly Danny Kerr, um, it was kind of the perfect situation for him really because you know, he wasn't asked to go on there and control the game or do anything particularly tactical. He was just told to go on there and try shit and test the line and all that sort of stuff and that suits his game down to the ground and he was excellent but yeah some players I thought Jamie George just looked much better <laughs> than Dylan Hartley Yeah, and the same with, with Itoje and you know it's and they can't keep Itoje yeah. on his side for much longer I know it's easy oh, to, I know God, I'm, 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 I am wary of the Cipriani level of hype which is what happened when yes. Cipriani was about this age but he does look something quite different he, re- he really does and I, I sincerely hope that he stays out of the England starting lineup for a, as long as is humanly possible because he is going to be a, a really special player just, and he's, just bef- he's a terror. Just before we move on to uh, carrying on with the good stuff I forgot to look at who on Twitter said that things were shit uh, oh, yes. Losaurus Rex said that Anscum was fit and actually called him Anuscum which I thought was quite good <laughs> said I, I don't like blaming individuals for tries but he's obviously going to do it anyway or he or she I don't know if it's one hmm. but FFS an actual sleeping policeman would have been more effective yeah it wasn't Ben Young's getting man of the match it? is one yeah yeah that was very silly uh, who else is on the shit here oh, France yeah we've already done that one no, Itoji and Clifford in good we just covered yeah. that one that was from Jay Miller uh, just somebody did mention Justin Tipperick, didn't they? Tom George yes. mentioned Justin Tipperick, which yes. he responded, "Don't worry, I'm all over that," which is probably about right. <laughs> Clearly, I was. And, yes. uh, uh, and, and thank you very much to uh, Mike Pullen, who sent me that lovely lion uh, thing mm. of Haskell's to rip the shit <laughs> out of. Right, carrying on with good. Then, what have you got there? Um, uh, Michele Campagnaro again he was great last week yeah be, as well and again yeah he doesn't deserve to be on the losing side again because he was absolutely he was so strong isn't half. he I think that's what's changed know, about him. he's, he's got, got so much stronger hasn't he and it's like he's it's got a Samson thing going on hair. because as, as his mane gets long he just seems to his leg drive is absolutely ridiculous he was giving England defenders kittens and yeah he's quick he's got footwork um, yeah Exeter are very lucky to have him not even as their first choice 13 to be honest um, uh, Luke, I've got Luke Charteris yeah, who, even though he looks like a horse doing a cartwheel when he runs <laughs> he really does, he's the most ungainly man but then when you're 6 foot yeah. 10 or 11 or whatever he is it's impossible not to look like a gangly fuck um, but god yeah his work the things that he was doing to the Scottish malls were you know it's after the watershed <laughs> stuff he was absolutely demolishing them yeah and uh, yeah, continues. Anything to else it. on your good list? Uh, Tommy Seymour. Yeah, uh, I had him. I didn't think. So. Yeah, uh, amazing under the high ball. I think he took seven without dropping any on under the high ball. Was the stat in the end? Um, 
he just did everything you'd ask of a test winger. Dunk, I've got um, Duncan Taylor for chasing down your mate yep. Tom James, who even with yep. an, an open field and a straight line to run in, still couldn't get to the line. <laughs> I saw somebody say uh, in a column today that Tom James isn't the fastest winger. And it's like, well, he used to be a 100-metre sprinter. And if he's not the fastest winger, then why the... <laughs> Yet another thing to add to the column <laughs> of what on earth is he doing here. <laughs> Yes. Um, so yeah, uh, yeah. No, I he I thought he took his try very well as well, and he's been very good for Saracens this year. And they've got an absolute. They've got so many good players at centre of Scotland. They've got an absolute glutton. Yeah. You've got to give it to them. Um, my other good ones. Um, George Ayub, the TMO in the France vs <laughs> Ireland yes. game, or more specifically his headgear. I yeah. don't know why, but for some reason he was wearing a trilby in the video booth and. For sheer sartorial elegance, that was probably yeah. the most attractive. Part I, I said on Twitter, game, "Is the TMO the drummer out of Chaz and Dave?" Because he looks, because he's old as well. He's, he had this stupid trouble. Yeah, it was absolutely. He looks like he looks like a shit blues brother. <laughs> but it's and then my my yeah. final good one, which and I I just love how insane Jules Pleason has become. <laughs> he was what was so that? two I minutes exactly into a game say. at home, he tries to do a cross kick to his own winger in his own twenty-two <laughs> that goes backwards. Now, never mind the fact that it's he executed sort of... it terribly. What mind yes, thinks that's a good idea? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it says an awful lot that Francois Trantuk has been brought into the squad for the Wales game. Because... I've said this before, right? Francois Trantuk is the most abused, and there's a lot of them, believe me, the most abused French player positionally and selectorially they've had for ages. He's bloody great. Why he didn't really they just is... pick him and Parrot forever? And imagine how sorted it's, it'd be. But they're doing it again. Like, Noves is falling into the trap that all other French coaches seem to have fallen into, which is namely that they can't seem to stick with a, a halfback pairing for more than a fortnight. It's, it's Yeah, it's totally counterproductive, but yeah. Um, a good one that we got on it Twitter was... was from the Matt Ford. Matt Ford, an old old friend of mine, who interestingly, played, he was at West Hartlepool in the 90s with Rob Wainwright, Jim Williams and uh, Wolfpack Gustard. Oh, they were all there together. He was Matt Ford. Hello, Matt. I hope I you're alright. You're listening. Was I bet it, can you imagine? He said, <laughs> Matt always says to me that Rob Wainwright was quote unquote a machine. Fair enough. Um, so there you go. So he, and, and he said, I'm sorry, we said yet. He said uh, George Cruise. Uh, yes, did actually. He nobody, was... he said, I don't think he was up to much, but he was immense. Yeah, I think both games he has looked absolutely fantastic, and. Yeah, I'm quite surprised by is it, it myself, is it, to be honest, because I always thought he was decent. Is but... he Cruis or Cruz? Cruz, I, I think. Oh, anyway, okay. So there he you goes. go. That was this week's... Oh. The Shit Good Ratings. The only rating system that matters. It's somehow better when it you is, fuck isn't it? Up a I think bit. it kind of sums yeah. up the spirit of the whole thing when it all goes. It does. It right. really does. Um, right yeah. then. Finally, then we're going to finish on some other news, which is away from the international uh, Six Nations scene. Mm. The domestic rugby wrap up, wrap up. Because there was some big stuff that happened this weekend. Yeah. Sammy's got absolutely humped by wasps. Sixty-four twenty-three at home. What at home? What? Yeah. I, wasps had three tries after eight minutes. Yeah, it's stupid. yeah, does not compute. What can you? Can you like, imagine what the Saracens what, data banks in the in you know in? Oh god, exactly. They, they must be. They basically just poured some petrol over it and set them on fire. I think at half time. 
what can you say? Like, I mean, yes, we talked, I think, uh, in a, a pod past about how Saris might struggle a little bit in the Six Nations because they were going to have half the bloody England squad yeah. coming out of their team. They're but, struggling a little bit and God. then they're getting humped 64-23 by Wasps. Well, God, yeah. I mean, Di Young continues to do pretty special things with that Wasp squad, but Eddie Jones must be like and really excited about the prospect of Nathan Hughes being eligible in the summer as well, by the way. Yeah, Jesus Christ. He's a, he's a handful, isn't he? But, um, yeah, I mean, what do you say about that? They were abs. I was watching the highlights last night before I went to bed and it was just... They're like... This is what happens when Paul Gustard leaves. Obviously. Clearly, the wolf pack just becomes a lot of wolf puppies. Well, very because good. Because they were well, yeah. fucking rubber, yes. <laughs> they, uh, they, um, <laughs> I love, what I love most about Die Young is when they cut to him in the crowd in his box, he's the most mm. disinterested-looking coach. You know, He's always kind of leaning on one <laughs> arm, isn't he? With his head slightly to the side, he's just yeah. thinking... Oh, I'm so fucking bored with this. And he's got the—he obviously is him. That's what he looks like. And he's—he always no. has a little guy next to him on the laptop who I think is is he is, is, is like pie monkey, you know. I mean, as a pie, will you bet? You know, he has to go and get a pie. I was once in in Aberdeen Weatherspoons in uh, not long after he left the Blues, and um, I was just in there on a Friday night, and the Blues were playing, and it was on telly in there, and Di Young was was in Weatherspoons with his missus, and. This is a team that he'd like left three months before, and you think he'd have some sort of vague interest in them, but he was just sort of he was watching it, but he had that exact look <laughs> on his face again as well. It was just like that's obviously just his face, fuck. isn't it? It's but just it's his brilliant. face. He's just watching. He's just standing there in a bad shirt, watching it, just like this. None of this means that's anything. That's why he can never me. manage Wales. He'll be accused of having no passion, won't he? <laughs> exactly. Like the last yeah. refuge of the chancer is passion, isn't it? But they'll be saying, oh, "Look at him, no God. passion." He'll be sat. That slightly head to one side. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So that cracking yeah. result. So uh, Newcastle beat Leicester. Yeah, ridiculous. Where did that come from? Yeah, uh, Andy Good's current role as Newcastle's relegation messiah no, no, continues. No. Andy Good's uh, current role as everybody's messiah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. What? What a man. What's happened? What a man. I, I noticed there was there was a stat that he's now played for fifty percent of the teams currently in the Premiership. By the way, which is a fantastic stat. Um. But you know, how fucked are London Irish now? They spent all this money and, and they're getting left well. in the dust. Yeah, and they're getting left in the dust by a team with a well, fat balding pension. I mentioned, I mentioned this before. You know when you said the other week about that baseball stat, the VORP, you know, value over replacement. Yes. Can you imagine yes. what Quade Cooper's VORP is next to Andy Goode? <laughs> what you're paying for Quade Cooper well, exactly. versus what you'll get for Andy Goode for a few cans yeah. of lager and about 50 quid a week. <laughs> and look, yeah, and a couple of pies. It's fantastic. I, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's it one of my favourite stories in rugby repeatedly. at the moment. It, it really does. Anything um, else on domestic rugby? Another, uh, it was a big win for uh, Ospreys. Managed to win yeah, away at Munster. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> Munster, the first time Munster lost at Musgrave Park in three years, oh. I think. Um, and Sam Davis absolutely ran the show again and was just looking really quite... Yeah. Yeah, we're all very big. pleased for you. Right, let's move, move it on. <laughs> um, uh, this big news about Goran Maru. What the hell is that? He's off to Toulon to become way. the highest paid rugby player in the world. He's already the oh, highest. He's already, he's already the highest. Yeah, he's already the highest paid rugby player in the world. And even though the Reds, he's only signed up with the Reds for a year, and there's talk that he's going to go to Toulon for next season, um, which. Has been denied, but Toulon are also 
quite conspicuously playing two games in preseason in Japan next year. So, hmm, I wonder. It's the older Shinji um, yes. Kagawa United football. It's it's thing. it's, it's, it's party song all over again, isn't market. it? It's, I know that's definitely what it is. I mean, he's now. Oh, he's he a very good player. Let's not, sorry, I'm not he's saying really they're not signing player. him because he's not a good player. He is, but the the money he's making yeah. is because of the market. But it's it's very obvious that like it's really interesting to see it as a testament to how like rugby has exploded in Japan and and that part of the world because of their World Cup success. That he is earning more money thanks to endorsements and sponsorships than Dan Carter. Wow. You know, it's it's crazy. And how long before other clubs start following suit and start signing? It's worrying for the market? I've heard from a friend who's got a contact over there that they've basically fucked this up completely with the Sunwolves. That the squad really? is crap. They're not being paid very much. <laughs> they're not very well prepared, uh... and it's you know it might end up being a bit of an embarrassment. Meanwhile, their best players are running around for the Reds and. The Hurricanes, is it, and so on. Well, that's the yes, yeah. That's that was the thing that when I when he signed for the Reds, I was like, oh shit, is he not going to play for the the Sun yeah. then? And yeah, I think that I'd play for sad. them for free just to wear that shirt. Damn right you would. Um, but then you look at the contrast between that and Argentina, who, you know, a hundred percent of that squad is homegrown, and all of them are all of their international. Speaking players. of that squad, and what do you think of that shirt? Yeah, I think it's absolutely sexual I think hey, it's see, probably the nicest shirt I think I've it looks like a, it looks it. like a Valencia shirt football for me that's, that's not a no it's not thing, but it's though, a bit it? too football Black it's a bit too football for me I have to say I don't I think, dislike it but I, that's what's holding me Nike back shirts can, the Nike shirts can look a little bit football shirty um, because of the collar I think but yeah I, I absolutely like especially the orange away shirt I think it's absolutely beautiful okay um so that yeah. sums up the domestic rugby roundup news. It's back to domestic rugby next week. I'm not going to preview the games. We'll just talk about what comes up next week. And we'll obviously have mm. a preview of the next set of fixtures a week. Not this weekend, weekend after in the next pod. So that's what we'll do then. So we'll finish as we always do, Josh, on the loop. The world's first and Indeed. only never-ending and continuous rugby-related music playlist. This week, Paul Weller, Josh. One of the greatest people ever produced in music by this country or middle-aged man with stupid haircut? I mean, he is definitely a middle-aged man with a stupid haircut. There's no getting away from that. I mean, he yeah. has done quite a lot of good things he in has. music as well. But he does need a fucking haircut. But we will haircut. finish with uh, the rugby-related track, which is Wings of Speed by Paul Weller off his Oof. 1994 album. Stanley Road, I think it was 1994. Correct me if I'm wrong. Remember, you can hear this playlist on SoundCloud. You can hear it on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We're getting some lovely reviews coming in. Thanks very much. One review said that your mm-hmm. exasperated sighs never get old, Josh, <laughs> which I particularly <laughs> like. Tell, tell that to yeah, my so, <laughs> so there we go. We'll finish on the, the loop, which is Wings of Speed by Paul Weller. We'll speak to you all next week. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.
Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.